Welcome to episode three, where we are talking about stress. Let's talk about stress, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Yes, this won't be as fun as what's talked about in that song, but we are going to have a good time and it is going to be very interesting. We are talking about stress languages and how we communicate stress. So what is stress? How do we process stress in a way that is effective? Not just managing it, but processing it. And then what do we do when it comes to how other people process stress and how that might trigger us, as well as how can you engage the information hidden within the stress so that you can create more of what you want and less of what you don't want so that you're engaging that information in a productive way rather than a reactive way. So without further ado, let's get started. Hey there, I'm Valerie Friedlander, Certified Life Business Alignment Coach, and this is Unlimited. This podcast bridges the individual and the societal, scientific and spiritual, positive and negative, nerdy and no, there's just a lot of nerdy. (laughs) Come on board and let's unlock a life that's as badass as you are. So stress. Stress is a huge topic. And as I record this, we are uh, eight months into the COVID pandemic here in the United States. And stress is such a thing. I decided to do stuff around stress and stress languages and processing stress early on because I was seeing how much it was impacting people's relationships with the additional stress of living through a pandemic, of living through 2020. I don't know. It's a concern that we don't handle processing stress well in the society. Actually, our relationship with stress in our society is highly problematic in general. So I thought it was important to bring that up and also have this be one of my early episodes to dig into. Before I do that, I do want to be clear as I get started that this episode is not dealing with grief or trauma or abusive relationships. What we are talking about here is stress, like when you say you're stressed out and you're in situations where you want to show up more intentionally instead of reactively. That is what we are going to be digging into here is addressing the level of stress or chronic stress that creates those reactive dynamics and patterns in our lives that we don't like but can't seem to disrupt. All right. Back to our society has a problem with stress. We have this love-hate relationship with stress because we've learned to rely on it for productivity. We've got this hustle culture. We have the being busy and doing, and our value is on the doings instead of the being, things like that. And it is important for productivity to a certain extent, but we have an overabundance of it. And even with entrepreneurs who 
can set their own schedule and do their own thing. When you come from the corporate culture that is very heavily based in this go, 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 work long hours, push, 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 like there's a reason there's a issue of burnout happening in our society right now. Even when you step into a space where you can set your own schedule, it's hard to shift those patterns because they're what we're used to and they're what feel normal to us and we tend to perpetuate patterns. It's like wherever you go, there you are, right? And because we have such a habit around stress and chronic stress, we have started to see that create burnout and cause a lot of health issues. So stress management has become a thing because we need to manage it to prevent burnout and prevent all the issues so that we can keep pushing the way we are used to. And that really just perpetuates some of these patterns. I would like to put forward to you that stress itself isn't inherently bad. It's our relationship with stress that is the issue. I listened to a TED Talk a while back by Kelly McGonigal, who is a health psychologist and professor in both the School of Business and the School of Medicine at Stanford University. And I am linking her TED Talk in the show notes because I think it is really worth everyone taking a listen to. She puts forward that it's not as much stress itself that is the problem. It's the way that we think about stress. In her research, she found that viewing stress as a helpful part of life rather than as harmful is associated with better health, emotional well-being, and productivity at work, even during high periods of stress, and that actually taking a look at stress and acknowledging stress as being there for a reason, we can engage it in a productive way, use the energy that it's providing us to address whatever the reason is that it's there, or shift the pattern of perception that is creating the stress. Because when we label stress as bad, we're judging it, and often ourselves as having it, which increases our stress and pushes us to avoid at worst, and at best, just manage it instead of engaging its purpose and using it. We just kind of try and shove it away. Stress is there for a reason. There's always a reason that your brain took in information and said, we're under attack, fire on all fronts, release the hormones. (laughs) And doing that is a, it's biological survival. When we perceive stress or when our brain buckets information as this is a threat, then we need that burst of adrenaline and cortisol to help us combat the stressor, the potential danger or pain. Now, the problem with this is that that signal will fire whether it's a actual physical danger or if it's a perceived threat based in our ego, obviously, that can create dynamics of reactivity that are not serving us in the way that we would want them to. So what is stress? I think it's really important to identify what that word means to be able to utilize it in a helpful way. So stress is defined as pressure, tension, emphasis, It points to something and says, hey, pay attention to this. There is something going on here. 
So if I were to like stress a word, you'd know that that word was important in whatever I was saying. So our brain processes information behind the scenes. There's a subconscious processing that is designed to help us respond more quickly, especially to danger. This is happening not in the realm of our conscious thinking. So it's not like, oh, I think I'll be stressed now, or hey, this person is being mean. It really goes straight to our limbic system in a lot of cases, especially if it's a trigger of something that has happened before. It resonates with an experience that we've had in the past that was painful. And it goes straight to that limbic system and releases those hormones, like I said. And then we have this physiological experience. When hormones get released, when adrenaline and cortisol get released, we get heightened senses, our heart rate increases, and this physical response happens faster than our conscious brain. And because our brain is wired for survival, it's always on the lookout for potential danger. And the more stressed you are, the more factors that are influencing stress, whether they're physical factors like you're hungry or tired or emotional factors like you had someone actually say something that hurt your feelings or whatever it is, or maybe you're feeling lonely, those sorts of things can influence how much your brain is on the lookout for other potential danger to protect you, to keep you safe. And when you are on the lookout for danger or lookout for potential threats, you are more likely to find them. For example... I work from home, and I might have hoped to get to a chore around the house before my husband gets home so that we could spend more time together. One of those is the dishes. He he will spend time in the evening doing dishes. But if I want the time for myself, I will want to get to the dishes so that he doesn't need to do them so that we can have time together. He's more relaxed, et cetera, et cetera. So say he comes home. And walks in the door, and our back door goes right into our kitchen. So he walks in the door and he goes, dishes. If I hadn't gotten to those dishes, and especially if I had wanted to get to those dishes, and I was already feeling annoyed that I hadn't gotten to the dishes, but maybe even if I, if I wasn't, maybe it's just the fact that that was the first thing that he noticed, it might trigger my I'm a bad wife button. Now, am I a bad wife? No, but nobody likes to think that you're failing in some way at a role that is important to you, then it will trigger a self-defensiveness. So his dishes, he didn't say anything about me not getting to them, but it would be very easy for me to take it personally because my brain is on the lookout because it's already focused on the dishes and I'm already upset about that. So then he comments on it. And because that pushed a button for me, my stress response goes off and I take it personally. If I take it personally, I feel like he's attacking me by that comment. Then I am going to respond likely with, why do you only notice the one thing I didn't get done? Why do you never point out all of the other things that I did? Because maybe I did like the laundry or something, but I just didn't get to the dishes, right? Whatever it is, he pointed out the dishes. I took that personally. I attacked him back. And then his response might be either to go away from me, which then I could interpret as 
additionally offensive, right? Or I he could attack back. Like I've now threatened his good husbandness and go, why do you always jump down my throat the first thing I get home? Now, are those always and nevers accurate? Probably not. And definitely not in our case, but it could feel like that. And you know, it's those are like red flag words. If you're using always and never, you've put things into a binary. Binaries are often in a space of stress. They're judgments. And so those are red flags that you're you're having a stress response. You're triggered. This is why we need to make friends with stress. Not to keep it around, but to learn how to honor its presence and use its energy to help us move forward. Because in this instance, taking that step back, I might initially feel upset about it, but then I can go, all right, he actually probably had a rough day. I had a rough day too. And I can acknowledge that he sounds tired. I'm tired too. How do you want to handle this? Because I also am irritated about the dishes. I really wanted to get those done and I didn't and I feel upset about that. So I can acknowledge my feelings, right? But if I don't and if we have that dynamic and if it's something that happens multiple times or even just one more time, it can start to become a pattern. And then even if we didn't have a rough day, our brain knows that we get into an argument when he comes home. So it'll be ready and looking for the argument. Obviously, we don't want that. I don't want that. I know he doesn't want that. Therefore, making friends with stress and being able to look at, well, what button got pushed and what's going on here and what's true about that and actually engaging it can be helpful. The thing is that it's really hard to see options and think beyond that initial response when you have your stress blinders on. That binary has come on, the hormones have been released, and we zoom into the potential danger. So it's it's hard to think beyond that and, and go past the initial reaction. But you can recognize that you are in a stress response, and you can take intentional action to release the stress and then explore the pattern to identify what's actually going on and choose how you want to respond, whether it's just a shift in thinking or maybe it's setting a healthy boundary. Then it's more of an active, conscious choice. So that brings us to stress languages. Now, it does seem a bit ironic to have a sort of stress personality thing as a follow-up to the last episode where I talked about how I don't like personality assessments and my issues with that. But bear with me, because as I mentioned in the last episode, I do find that having some sort of framework is helpful for normalizing experience and processing and articulating your needs and being able to be more understanding of others who process differently. I do also want to remember that this is general, and it doesn't always apply in all instances. Like it can shift. It's not always the same, but it helps you kind of know what's going on. I used the term stress languages because I was inspired by the concept of the five love languages by Gary Chapman. I love this book, especially because it highlights how everyone expresses differently and processes differently. And we have things that we tend towards, maybe not in all times of our life, like it may not be a fixed thing, it it may fluctuate, but it helps to be able to recognize that everybody's different and that we can not take things as personally. Like it's 
we all often assume that people think the way that we do and would only act in a certain way if they thought what we thought that would motivate us to behave that way. <laughs> all the all the thinking, I think you think that I think that you think, oh my God, <laughs> too much thinking. <laughs> Stop the thinking. So this is where it's really important to just kind of give yourself a pause. And then you can tap into something simple to be able to reset and show up in a different way. So this framework of stress languages is based in spiritual, mental, emotional, physical core influencers that I was first introduced to back in 1995 when I was part of a women's circle that was led by Little Night Bear in Nashville, Tennessee. Since then, I've encountered these influencers engaged in this particular order in multiple other spaces. This is the area that had the most initial influence on me and that I'm pulling from. There is a quiz that I have linked in the show notes that I've created to help you identify what your core tendency is and how you process stress. You are probably already processing stress primarily in this way, but when you are aware of what that tendency is, you can more consciously engage it and make it a little bit more effective as well as communicate it to other people that that's what you're doing because otherwise we can end up in stress ball. That's what I call it. Stress ball when you're stressed and then somebody else gets stressed off of your stress or misinterpreting your stress as being about them and then you interpret their stress as being about you and then we're kind of throwing the stress back and forth. Anyone who is a mom knows all about that because, you know, when mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. I really think that that's related to the stress ball factor. All right. I am going to go through each of these just briefly here in this episode to kind of give you a sense. But again, if you go take the quiz, you'll get your primary one. And then there's a printout at the end that you can download that goes over each one. Like there's a PDF that goes over each one and also interactions with other people who have the different ones as their primary, as well as a tools to respond with clarity printout that walks you through how to take that information, use it, and then do the next things. I'm going to cover all of that right now as quickly as possible, (laughs) but you can go get that. The link's in the show notes. All right. So Starting with spiritual, and this is more like however you relate to that word spiritual, it's more like a being. So this influencer may resonate for you if you tend to get controlling when you're upset. You feel the urge to distract someone when they're upset, and you get especially upset if you feel stupid, anything that's pushed the stupid button. Stress in this space increases if you're pushed to discuss whatever's going on before you've had a chance to calm down. Doing something fun and completely unrelated will help you calm down, though it may be tempting to move on right after that because it's like, oh, I feel better now. But it is important to come back and acknowledge the feelings that you had, at which point then you can engage the pattern from there. The next one is emotional. This influencer may resonate if you feel the need to cry, yell, or in some way vent to people when you're upset. You tend to commiserate with others when they're upset and get especially upset when you feel someone is trying to make you do something you don't want to do. You may struggle to feel settled 
until you've had the space to vent and be heard and you feel additionally hurt or betrayed when someone doesn't appear to be listening to you. Talking to someone who will acknowledge and validate your feelings helps you calm down. Now, note here that this isn't the same as saying that you're right. Acknowledging and validating is more just saying that, hey, it's understandable that you have the feelings. And side note here, it always is. It's Your feelings are always understandable based in the way that you're experiencing the situation, regardless of whether somebody else sees it the same way or not. There's a reason you're having the feeling. It's important, just like with stress. All right. It is easy to stop there with someone affirming your feelings, but it is important to take a moment to recenter in your body and in the moment and then engage the pattern. So go beyond the feelings to I'm here right now in this moment. Now what is really going on beyond just the emotional reaction? Physical is next. This may resonate for you if big emotions feel overwhelming and you prefer to be alone when you're upset. When someone else is upset, you may either want to hug them or get away from them. Probably depends on if you're interpreting their upset as being about you or not, because you feel most upset when someone is upset with you. Stress increases if you have to be around big emotions, especially if you're interpreting it as being about you. And it's common for people who experienced anger as dangerous when they were a child. With this influencer, it's calming to get present in your body, doing things like exercise or deep breathing. It may be tempting. Again, you notice that I'm highlighting this multiple times. It may be tempting to move on once you have calmed down, once you've managed the stress, but it is important to come back and actively think about what happened Once the emotional charge has settled down. So don't just go about your business like, hey, it's all better now. No, no, no. We want to come back to it. The next influencer is mental. This one may resonate if you like to figure things out. And when you're stressed, you want to talk about it and understand what happened and why, who's to blame for what occurred. You may feel the urge to jump in and problem solve when someone's upset and get more stressed out when someone refuses to discuss a problem. Because this tends to be interpreted as that the other person doesn't care, which might be true. Or it could be that they have a physical influencer and care so much that they have to go away while the energy is still really high. So it's calming to discuss and brainstorm solutions when this is your primary thing. But it tends to be from a more judgmental place initially, like as you're processing it, again, going back to who's to blame. And once you figure out who's to blame and who's wrong, it's tempting to leave it there. But taking the time to walk away for a little bit, do something fun, reconnect to you, to your best self, and then come back and explore the pattern through a clearer lens that you can take it out of the right-wrong binary and be more open to what's going on, the dynamics, and find solutions. All right. So those are the primary influencers. Now, remember that they may show up differently in different situations, Your perception patterns, your triggers and responses to stress are unique to you because no one has all of your life experiences. I will give you an example briefly. With my husband, 
when we were trying to make a decision about traveling during this time with COVID, it was several months ago. So it was actually a, a down period. Right now we're in a, another spike, but we were talking about traveling to visit my parents. He tends more towards the mental. I tend more towards the emotional. So when we were talking about that, I was feeling stressed out about the idea of traveling. I wanted to do it, but I was stressed out about making this decision and I was talking about it. I was talking about it from an emotional standpoint, processing it through emotionally with expressing my feelings because he was stressed about it and processing it through logistically, we misinterpreted each other. He was hearing me processing logistics when I was processing emotions. And I heard him processing emotions when he was processing logistics. So what that looked like was he heard what I was saying as meaning that I didn't want to go, where I was just expressing how I was feeling about it. Eventually, I came around to realizing, oh, you're not saying that you want to go or you don't want to go. You're just processing the logistics of making that work. And I need you to understand that I'm not saying either one Either I'm just processing how I'm feeling about it before I can come up with a decision of what to do. All right. So that is one of the ways that's more of the the less intense ways that we can have some misinterpretations around how we process stress. It's important, especially when there has been a trigger, to come back and explore the pattern, as I emphasized every single time after each one of those. Though the way you may come back to it and explore the pattern can be different depending on the way you need to process that stress through. If you missed that, go back and re-listen to it because each one of those influencers, I did give a slightly different approach to coming back to exploring the pattern because there are a couple steps involved. There's processing the stress, then there's recentering, and then there's exploring the pattern. So when I say exploring the pattern, I'm referring to what created the stress in the first place, what its purpose is, and how it's serving you, as well as whether it's serving you in a way that you want to be served, right? Because that's, that's the key component, right? Is the stress showing up in a way that's actually helpful to you, based in what you want to create in the relationship or what needs to be expressed in the relationship. The pattern is the thought, so the perception, the way our brain connects the dots. Then the feeling that occurs from that, and then the action that we take in accordance with the feeling. Let me give you another example of this pattern and shifting the pattern to work better for you. I had a client, actually a couple that I was working with who had a dynamic where they would get into an argument. Something would trigger this sense that they were at odds with one another and she would get angry and he would go away. And then she would feel angrier because that would trigger her sense that he didn't care which was not the case. He cared a lot. It just was that he felt like it was hopeless and felt overwhelmed by the emotion. So taking a look at that, we explored the thought was that we're at odds with one another. She hates me. We're not on the same team. And then the feeling was hopelessness, sadness, and hurt, and he would go away. Exploring that, since that wasn't the case, we looked at what would he like 
to believe and how would he like to feel? He wanted to feel connected and like there was something that could be done to improve the situation. He wanted to feel like he mattered. And the thought that they were at odds and she didn't love him didn't really help with that. So we looked at, well, what would be more true, even though it feels like that in this instance? Well, that they're on the same team, even though they're having an argument. And he wanted to be able to stay present in the conversation to be able to work together. The next piece is to create a reminder of that. And the reminder was to spin the wedding ring, to remember that we're on the same team. A lot of people talk about coming up with a reminder that's like a mantra that you can say. That works for some people, but it doesn't work for everybody. Sometimes we need like a physical manifestation of that reminder to kind of bring us back to ourselves, bring us back to the moment, get us out of our heads or out of our emotional space and reconnect with what we know to be true beyond just what our brain buckets said was going on. So spinning that wedding ring helped him remember that they were on the same team. Even though the emotional trigger still happened, he was able to remember that and remember the action that went along with that and stay in communication. And they were able to find more solutions working together. Even if that meant him saying, hey, I need to take a minute and can we come back to this so that he could calm down and recenter since once you have an emotion, it's it's there. It's You have to allow it to move through. All right, so here is an outline of the process. Take space. The printout has some suggestions on things that you can say to help you create space, such as, hey, I need to go use the bathroom. Can I get right back to you? <laughs> and then if you did pick like a mantra or a reading or something like that, you can read that, recenter, and then come back to the conversation, right? So take that space, do what you need to do to release the stress, and then check in. What were you feeling? What did you believe about yourself or about the situation, about the other person? What action did that motivate? Then how true is that? Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not true. Maybe you don't have enough information, right? Like maybe you need to ask some questions here. So this is about getting curious. Like what else could be true? Or what questions do I have? What do I need to know to find out the truth of this? Maybe it is, what did you mean by that? Hey, you said this thing, but I'm curious, what did you actually mean by that? That sort of thing. So just exploring helps you see things more expansively because curiosity and judgment can't exist in the same space. The thing to keep in mind here also is that your ego might want to hold on to being right, but let it go for just a minute to explore. I promise I won't tell anybody. <laughs> so the next piece is what do you want? What's your purpose in the relationship, in the situation? How do you want to feel when you're engaging in it? What would you need to believe to feel that way? What would you need to do? It could be a mindset shift, but it could also be communicating a boundary. I will talk more about boundaries in another episode, probably multiple episodes, because that's another big topic. Create a reminder from there for the new thought and action, like that spinning the wedding ring. Note that changing a pattern can also be stressful because it is taking down something that wasn't serving you in order to build something new, and that does take energy. And 
other people who are not used to you responding in a different way may respond to you the way they're used to you responding. And that can be frustrating. So just remember that change takes time and to keep practicing. Again, I will dig into this more when we talk about boundaries. Now, the other piece is that if this is a dynamic that's going on with a spouse, because this could be something with a coworker, a friend, a family member, especially if it's a spouse, though, like talking about it and communicating changes and what you're working on and what you're noticing can help with both of you being able to support each other better. So if you go and take the quiz, invite your spouse to take it too. You might find that it helps you understand each other a little bit better and work together a little bit better. I've actually gotten that feedback from some people who have taken it and gone, oh my gosh, I've lived with this person for years and this really helped me connect on a, another level with him because I we just didn't think about this before. So go do that. It's free. All right. All of this can be hard to do on your own because it's difficult to see the label on the box that you're in. And even if you can see the label, it's difficult to reach the label on the outside of the box when you're in the box. You can do it though. It just can take a while. And that's actually why people end up hiring me is because they're impatient. (laughs) Well, I'm only sort of kidding there because honestly, that that is what coaching is great with is it helps you expedite the process to see things more quickly and engage them more quickly because you have that additional help of a professional to see beyond what you would normally see to dig deeper than you would normally dig and to have that support and accountability for making shifts that are aligned with the way you want to show up. Bottom line is that stress is there for a purpose. It just might not be what it seems like like, like what the obvious purpose is, don't just manage it and expect it to be gone. It's based in a pattern. So you can mine the stress for information and then choose your next step if you're willing to actually engage it and not just go, oh, well, that's done. <laughs> you know? If you want it to be different, you need to do something different, not just think something different, but actually change the pattern holistically. I am seeing across the board with clients that the stress of this particular time especially is magnifying all the things that aren't serving them. The benefit to something being magnified is that you can see it more clearly and thus you can do something about it because it's in your face, man. (laughs) Um, That's not always pleasant. So don't let that fool you. But I want to encourage you to harness this as an opportunity to really engage and maximize the stress of this time to create real change in your life. I mean, hey, if you're going to be uncomfortable anyway, why not go all out, right? If you're interested in support with this, there is a link in the show notes to get on to my website where there is a big old button to get on a free call with me. Please feel free to take advantage of that. It's there for you. I'm here for you. And I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. I so appreciate you being here. If you got something out of today's episode, please share it. Leave me a review, take a screenshot and post it on social with a shout out to me. Send it to a friend or, you know, all of the above. Want to hang out more? Join me on Instagram. Or better yet, get on my mailing list to make sure you don't miss out on anything. And remember, your possibilities are as unlimited as you are. Allow yourself to shine, my friend. The world needs your light. See you next time.
Don't forget to go leave that review so that you can get entered to win one of the three free coaching sessions. If you are like me and not a techie person, I have step-by-step instructions available for you at ValerieFriedlander.com slash coaching week, along with a few other links you might want to check out. So go check that page out and I'll see you all next time.